The Chicago Reader's Jonathan Rosenbaum said, Whatever this 1972 feature is, it's entertaining and stylish, though maybe not quite as serious as it wants to be. Variety Magazine said the screenplay, which never seems to talk down to an audience, while at the same time making its candid points with tasteful emphasis, returns the story to a variety of settings. And Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times said the context of Germany on the eve of the Nazi ascent to power makes the entire musical into an unforgettable cry of despair. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we discuss the history and legacy of Cabaret. Which one will it be? Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Greetings, Starfighters. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you had to. You had the to. The funny thing is you probably knew I was going to do it before. I knew I was going to do it because I did not. I, literally, we hit record and af- right after I like just said, hey, I'm recording, I was just like, oh, that's what that would be a good way to, to start. Earlier when I was like cleaning up after dinner and everything, I was like, oh, I bet he's going to do a Vielkamen. Well, you know, I, Cabaret, I'm, I'm excited to talk about Cabaret. It's one of my it's one of the best one of my favorite Broadway musicals that I've seen. Um, I've actually never seen a live production of it before. I saw it. I will, you know, hey, do we have any news to get to? Um, well, I mean, we had talked about not so much doing yeah. news because we record this like a week before it comes out. Um, I mean, any, but, any, tra- like, jo- hey, like Joker won, what, the Golden eh, Line at the Venice I Film mean, Festival? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cool. The, the only thing that I was thinking of mentioning and this was something that we've brought up on our instagram feed is that there's a lot of drama about a potential uh princess bride remake mm-hmm. um and it's just like rumors floating around as they there's nothing like there's nothing in the works it's just like the idea of it came up and th- there's just like an uproar and it's a lot of like it's a perfect movie. Don't ruin it. And that's coming from like Carrie Always and you know other actors. And it's that that's what. But that's what we talk about yeah. is like, yeah. you know what? It's not going to erase history. That movie is always going to be there, and it's always going to be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so before I share. Uh, my my two cents here. Um, I I, I want to comment because I I saw that um, French fry Phil commented on our on the photo. I, I stu- oh did he? Yeah, and no, but he made a really good point because he said he's always wanted it to be rescored. That like get rid oh. of the synth score, and yeah, that makes sense. Like kind of have it more period. And I thought to myself. Yeah, absolutely. That is kind of one of those things that, and here's, 
Bring on the hate mail. Um, so it's one of it's one of the things that that's always kind of bothered me about the Princess Bride, and I don't I don't dislike the Princess Bride. I actually I really like the Princess Bride. I don't know why I think I'm going to get hate mail, um, but I've and it's not but it's not like something that's precious to me. Like um, one of my colleagues, like it is you know, their, like their family's movie, like they will quote it back and forth, like their family can, you know, it's... Oh, it's that kind of movie. It is. And th- right, that's not, they are not the only family like that. Um, and I don't know if now's the time to talk about it. I do remember when we first saw it, but... Let's put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that. We're going to put a pin in that. And... Although I, I will just follow up on what you were saying. Um, I was at a... Um, a dinner with uh, my wife's colleagues recently, and one of them was to, the Princess Bride came up, not in the context of remaking it, but um, someone said Mal-ish. it just kind of came up as it being as it being it's just like a super quotable movie that mm-hmm. you know it kind of it transcends a lot of barriers like age and for a lot of people race and you know it's like you can walk into someone else's living room and see their whole family and they'll be quoting the same things that your family quotes from it. That type of it thing. It like sounds party does lines. Ab- it does. It it absolutely does. And it's got Andre and, the um, Giant in it. God damn it. It sure does. And uh, she was saying how like it's her favorite movie and her favorite book. And then she started saying, uh, quoting Miracle Max, but she called him Mad Max. And I was like, this is your favorite. And you're you don't even you're not even getting the guy's name right. Although now I'm imagining Miracle Max beyond Thunderdome and I love it. (laughs) Call Billy Crystal. (laughs) Um, Which and I I, I, and actually speaking of Princess, I use Princess Bride um, in in teaching. I've used it to uh, have kids analyze characters it presents a great opportunity for kids to like really um, the, the characteristics are very bold in it. The character traits are very bold in it. Yeah. I also use it when I teach Romeo and Juliet um, in, in the context of spoiler alert, um, Juliet taking the potion that I, I describe it as it makes her mostly dead. It, yeah. she, she's, you know, she's Carrie Owens in, in the princess bride after he's on you know the, the six fingered man's machine with the with the albino mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, politically correct you can't have the albino yeah. anymore i don't know also mel smith man shout out mel smith yeah i mean rip of brain donors yeah well like we can still shout yeah, him out we can still That's, shout him out yeah let's know. pour one out for uh, pour pour one out for mel smith you bet i'm pouring um, it my sparkling grapefruit juice here all right. So anyway, that's the only thing that oh really was worth bringing up. So my two cents but, on it is this. Yeah. Why? Uh, unless you're readapting the novel, and I've never read the novel, but if if you are readapting the novel, or maybe you're adapting and expanding the world of the Princess Bride in t- in, in in almost a like a PG rated Game of Thrones, like. Yeah, a more a more like lighthearted, fantastical type of you know fantasy or like um, 
I don't want to say medieval fantasy, but you know, that type of fantasy. Right. So, yeah, I, but you know, it's like you, you think about it and you're like, well, you know, who's going to play Indigo Montoya that's not going to, that you're not going to be like, like they're not, you're going to complain that they're not Mandy Patinkin. You're going to complain if they try to do Mandy Patinkin. I mm-hmm. don't, all due respect to Mandy Patinkin, I don't think he's going to reprise the role unless they did a sequel. Are we going to talk? Are we talking about this? <laughs> because I've got thoughts. Are we pivoting or are we just du- doubling? I don't know. I Well, I just want to make sure I know what's going on because we could talk about this and try to keep it brief or we can put a pin in this whole thing and talk about it another time. We could talk about it next episode. We could We could call an audible here and postpone our originally planned next episode for the following episode. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're, we are going Princess Bride next week. Rob it's Reiner. Happening. Absolutely. I'm, I, I'm excited to uh, watch it again. It's been a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. So right. um, anyway, Pin. let's then pivot to Cabaret. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean... A very I, different movie. Yeah, actually, yeah. We we got to talk about Cabaret. Very different movie. Controversial. So since... What's that? Controversial. Definitely controversial. Sure. Uh, it was nominated for, I believe, 10 Academy Awards, won eight. It, Bob Fosse beat Francis Ford Coppola, who was nominated for The Godfather. Right, which beat it out for best picture and best one other thing. Um, maybe best actor, but was Michael York nominated for best actor? Uh, I guess Joel Gray would have been supporting he was, actor. He won supporting, he won. and Liza Minnelli won best actress. Because yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure all Michael the other York. supporting nominees were from The Godfather because it would have been. Um, I mean, it would have been. Al- I, the Al Pacino, unless he was nominated against Marlon Brando, um, I'm it was James Con. I could just look it up. James Con John was John Cazale not nominated for that Fredo. I mean, come on, you pick anyone from the cast of The Godfather, and they could be a supporting actor nominee. Yeah, so it's kind of amazing that I mean, and Joel Gray is phenomenal. He is. He he. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely is. Yeah, yeah and. Uh, for anybody unfamiliar, Joel Gray, who plays the MC, father of Jennifer Gray of Dirty Dancing. Baby. She, baby, the one and only. Uh, She's Joel Gray's baby. And uh, Joel Gray, you might also know from The Player with Nick Nolte and Susan Sarandon, who were in <laughs> Lorenzo's Oil. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wait. What was mine? <laughs> Shit, I had it. Um, so... Oh no! You know what? I was racking my brain. I was just totally. I was like, I was like Liza Minnelli. Like, what was Liza Minnelli in? Arthur. Who's in Arthur? Dudley Moore. John Gielgud. Yeah. And yeah, without with and and I wasn't gonna go IMDb this. Like I, I, f- I feel like or Michael if, York. There's got to be a connection between Michael York, Austin Powers. Yeah, like Austin Powers, yeah. with like Madeline Stowe in the first Austin Powers, or 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 Clint Howard. Like, yeah, 
there's got to be, be overlap a somewhere. direct path. Yeah, you're just I I the I want to see how long we can go until you run out of the player. It will happen. It will happen. I'm I'm trying to think of who from the Princess Bride would have been in the player. Um, and and hold on, hmm. we're, we're, we'll come back to that next week. L- let's yeah, pin that's that. right. Pin we it. Pin it. I'm not literally pinning anything. I'm just making a motion right now. And yeah, but you're next to a bulletin board. I well, I'm next to a wall that's <laughs> that I can stick tacks in. Anyway, well, there I'll, you go. I'll take pictures and post so, them on uh, Instagram. So Dan, since since you are uh, more familiar, I mean, yeah, I saw the movie, but because this is something that you know you've been an admirer of the stage production. Uh, why don't you give a brief synopsis? Okay, I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you a little story about <laughs> possibly I regret <laughs> handing it over to no, you. No, it's it's a little story. And um so I uh I went to college at Rutgers University and studied theater and um had some awesome friends and we all like, you know, kind of geeked out about theater and acting and direction and one day um it was me and uh my my good friends to this day mr ray dijon and mr michael buckley and fit is buck mm-hmm. fit is buck.com if you're looking for a personal trainer he does like video training sessions anyway fit as buck fit as buck yep good god also makes total sense you, knowing him <laughs> yes absolutely big daddy buck um uh beautiful buckley of capital wrestling anyway and ray De- ray is um i forget what his title is but at the the gra- oh boy he's gonna kill me i forget the name of the hotel in austin one of austin texas's finest hotels oh yeah Ray, like, well, shout out Ray and Buckley. Anyway, so and go on. Yeah. Anyway, so Ray and Buckley and I went into Manhattan, and we were going to get tickets for a matinee and an evening performance. And I believe our matinee was art. With uh, at the time, it was it was Alfred Molina. Um. I'm totally drawing a blank on his name, and I can't believe it. I like a great actor. On uh, he was on Alias. He's Sydney's father, Victor Garber. Victor Garber. Okay, Victor Garber. Um, and Alan Alda. Oh, yeah, love Alan Alda. Yeah. Oh no, it was fantastic, wonderful play, and our evening show was Cabaret, the 1998 mm-hmm. revival of Cabaret, while it was still in what was called the, the Kit Kat Club. It was previously, okay. um, it, it was previously, I want to say, the, like the Henry Miller Theater. Um, and they, uh, for this production, which was directed by Sam Mendes and, cho- oh. and choreographed by Rob Marshall, um, the very Fosse inspired choreography, as, right? Um, like very a lot of there were a lot of the choreography in the club scenes in the movie brought to mind the show, uh, but it was kind of made to look like you know kind of a gritty like underground German nightclub, and and the the play takes place 
Um, I think the movie is set in 1931 Berlin. The plays it's all plays like 1930. It's all around the same time. Mm-hmm. It's it's the end of Weimar Weimar Germany. Um, you know, it's the poverty. The country is in a dep- is in this depression. Um, there's hyperinflation and so on and so forth. So this is kind of towards the end of this like age of of liberalism in post World War One Germany. And they really made the whole thing up to look like that. And they made it very, um, it was a full environment. Like you were, the show cool. was everywhere. Um, Alan Cumming, who played. It's kind of like when you go to see Cats, like there's gigantic trash in the in the lobby. I don't. Because you're a cat, you're a cat, you're a cat-sized just, person. Just a big litter box. I've never seen Cats, nor do I plan to. There's, I've never had anyone tell me anything appealing about cats. No one has ever told me anything that has made me consider seeing cats. I've only ever heard that certain things were better than cats. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Uh, it was better than cats. Um, it was better than cats. And I don't mean the deli. Um, that, was, that was from just like a commercial for... Some other. It show, was a commercial. Right? It was like when they would do those old Broadway commercials where they would, you know, interview people coming out of the show. I laughed. I cried. It was better than Cats. Yeah, I feel like that is probably a very regional, regionally specific. Yeah. Type of ad. Yeah. That we got no. in New Jersey. Yeah, we got in New Jersey because we were the the audience. We were the target demographic. Yeah. So, um, so Alan Cumming played the MC, and even when he wasn't on stage he was still on stage like i remember him lurking and that is the most appropriate word to use lurking out like and we were all seated at tables so it was like we're the patrons at the nightclub and it was like when he wasn't performing he was always on stage watching He, he was always somewhere in the theater just kind of like lurking about and he had this very pale i mean this was alan coming 1998 uh you know he but he was like rail thin and yeah. like you had the impression that the MC like in in the movie the MC is like like it's a big theater it looks like a somewhat mm-hmm. big theater especially at, you know at the beginning of the movie and the the MC is like he's well dressed he's right. you know and Alan Cumming was just like he was no shirt uh, suspenders, really pale makeup, but really dark. I feel like he kind of looked like photos from this. Yeah, yeah. So um, he almost looked like the crow. Um, so, but he was amazing, like captivating. Nat- I have no doubts. Natasha He's Richardson, incredible. Um, Nat- the late Natasha Richardson, the late great Natasha mm-hmm. Richardson, played Sally Bowles, and because um, in the play, Sally Bowles is British. And I, oh, okay. I believe in the original book by Christopher Isherwood, she's British and he's British. In the musical, at least the 1998 revival, uh, the her like love interest is not a British man named Brian. Uh, Brian. Brian. Um, it's a it's an American. I want to say an American photographer named Clifford Bradshaw. Um, huh. It was played by John Benjamin Hickey, who you would know, um, 
I mean, God, he's on. He was on The Good Wife. He played um, Juliana Margulies' brother on The Good Wife. Oh, yeah. So a uh, a reunion of sorts for he and Alan Cumming. Yeah, totally. I I'm I'm sure that occurred to me at some point watching it. Um, <laughs> and it also, I mean, so many great actors in this. And then there was another. So in the movie, there's this romantic subplot between um, a Jewish woman. And a man who is a Jew masquerading as a Gentile in in Berlin. Fritz. Yeah, Fritz. And Fritz, um, that they are not in the movie. The movie's kind of romantic subplot that brings in that a- aspect of anti-Semitism is Fraulein Schneider, who runs the boarding house where they live. Oh, oh, wait, that's in the play. In the play. Yeah, okay. Yes. So in the play... Yeah, in the movie, yeah. Yeah, in the movie, the Fräulein Schneider has like one line and you just see her ironing. Right. In in the play, she's got songs. Like there's a duet between oh. her and Herr Schultz, who is this older Jewish man that they kind of strike up a relationship and they have a... They sing a song about like, what if we were married? And um, they have some really adorable songs. Uh which we're all uh, cut from the movie, and I'll, we'll get to that. But um, and that was that was uh, Ron Rifkin played Herr Schultz of okay. of Alias. Speaking of, um, yeah. so <laughs> so Ron Ron Rifkin played Herr Schultz, and I'm trying to remember who else was Natasha Richardson, John Benjamin Hickey, yeah, and it was. It was so good. Like a lot of the musicians were also the Kit Kat girls, uh-huh. and it's similar to to what Fosse shows in in the movie. But it kind of had this very very like dirty. The movie hints at it, but the play, like the show, was really sexual. Like the song mm-hmm. Two Ladies" features a threesome in shadow play, like. Oh, um, I I really like the way that 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 seat that um, that song was done in the movie. It was a lot of fun. The musical numbers, like they're they're shot in such interesting ways, and you don't check out during them. No, no. And here's yeah. where I think. Here's where I think. Uh, a, here was like a decision I think was really solid. Was taking out the songs that in the musical are sung as part of the story outside the cabaret. Gotcha. I think keeping the music in, and and there are some like really nice songs that are lost, but to be quite honest, like when I listen to that cast recording, I listen to the cabaret songs. I listen to the opening number. I listen to mine hair. I listen to don't tell mama. I listen to two ladies I also sometimes listen to Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which was... Which one is that? That is the only song in the movie that is not sung in the cabaret. It is sung by the young Nazi in the beer garden. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which has actually been adopted by like some white nationalist groups, was written by Kander and Ebb. It wasn't... I I was always... it, it it sounds so authentic. Huh. I thought that it was just a, you know, 
a Nazi a song like a Nazi yeah a Nazi song. song yeah I mean they had you know like you know just because they were Nazis didn't mean they didn't sing but <laughs> oh they got down um but t- um, tomorrow belongs to me is a chilling song and in the play. It is like, it drives such a chill. I remember the end of that play. Yeah. Well, because the play ends also differently than than the movie. And at the end of the play, one of the final images that you're, I mean, first Sally Bowles, when she's singing Life is a Cabaret at the end, and it's it's after, so in both the movie and the play, she gets pregnant, she ends up having an abortion. And in the play... You see, you get a hint of this in the movie, but one of the big differences between the movie and the play is in the movie, Liza Minnelli plays Sally Bowles as a very talented singer and dancer. Mm-hmm. In the play, Natasha Richardson played Sally Bowles as a talented enough singer okay. who really wasn't going to go any further in her career. Than this. Gotcha. And at when she's when Natasha Richardson sang Life is a Cabaret at the end, and you know her character has just had that abortion, and she and I it was either like Ray or Buckley who who I think phrased it this way, but you see her fall apart during the song. Mm-hmm. And what makes me wish that maybe that had been a little more present in Bob Fosse's cabaret is because how um, how personal the style is and how intimate his shots are, even during mm-hmm. those musical numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so the play has a lot of differences different characters there is still the subplot um the the character of max in the movie right who max is kind of like you just get the idea like he's rich he's bisexual what is he a baron or something yeah he's something like that and he's basically like sleeping with both sally and Mm -hmm. brian brian which is not the in in the play the the character is um oh another Dennis O'Hare played this character and Dennis O'Hare if uh American yeah. horror story um I'm trying to think what else he's in so much he pops up in so much um but he played this character um sorry can't find my notes here um right. oh yeah hair uh, Herr Lu- you, Herr Ludwig. If you saw him, you'd, you'd know him in a second. Yes, yeah. Um, b- brilliant character actor. Uh, but he played Herr Ludwig, who is the Nazi. In the play, he's like, he's a Nazi. He's, mm, he's gotcha. You don't meet him as a Nazi, but then you find out later, it's when he sings, like they put on, uh, I think a record of Tomorrow Belongs to Me, and he starts mm-hmm. singing along, and he's like, he and this other character, um, I forget what her name is, but like the two of them are just like in like Nazi heaven, harmonizing and singing this song together, if I'm remembering it correctly. But yeah, they sing Tomorrow Belongs to Me. And 
it's reprised later with Alan Cummings singing it. Oh yeah. And he ends it. It's so chilling. I, I want to say it's the end of act one. And when, when he, he ends the song and he ends it rather than singing to me, he goes to me and has like a Hitler mustache oh, and is, right. is doing the C Kyle. Which I feel like he does at a, some point in the movie, but not, Clearly not during it, that because he doesn't do that. It's but not like as he, chilling, right? It's yeah. it's done like as a goof. Yeah, you know. But also the yeah. show the show ends where the MC, um, when he, I forget what he's wearing, but he, I, if I remember correctly, he like removes. He's like wearing a coat, and when he removes the coat, he's got a tattoo on his arm, or or they mm-hmm. he puts a coat on, and it's got a patch, and it's got right. it's got a, a pink triangle, um, and and like a, a Jewish patch. So he's he's in the concentration camp, both both being Jewish and gay. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so at the end, they kind of have this reveal that like just the Kit Kat Club is done, which they they show that they kind of. Actually, the movie's different because that I feel like at the end of the movie, there's kind of an upswing for the Kit Kat Club. Yeah. Except it's an audience of Nazis. Right. Watch the movie. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's it, it's yeah, no, no. All the I mean, yeah, it it is fun. It's brilliantly shot like, oh, it's 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 a treat for the eyes. I mean, and I had never. <laughs> I, first of all, I I always for some reason in my mind, Cabaret came out in 1970, so it wasn't in my mind. It was not up against The Godfather. But when I discovered that Bob Fosse won over Francis Coppola for The Godfather, yeah, I wasn't. It's pissed, a big deal, partially because Francis Coppola won for Godfather Part Two, so it was kind of like Peter Jackson right. winning for the Third Lord of the Rings, but. It's exactly like that. <laughs> Similar looks in that time period too. So yeah, so um, the, the I think the only things that you didn't mention are just the the basics of the character of Brian in the movie. Mm. And so yeah, it's played by Michael York, who m- most people would probably know from either Logan's Run or the Austin Power movies as Basil Exposition, and he, I, uh, he's studying german but he yeah he's in germany to like study german but he is uh making money teaching english or like yeah tutoring yeah like um yeah helping people with their english yeah kind of just on the side and uh yeah he ends up in this boarding house where sally bulls also lives and that's how they have a chance meeting and uh she invites him to the Kit Kat Club, and the two of them uh, hit it off. And what we know about him is that he is, I believe, celibate when she meets him. He kind of implies that he's gay because she, well, she kind of asks him if he's gay, right. and he doesn't say anything. Yeah, so his uh, sexual he's orientation bi. is ambiguous, and uh, right and also it's like thinking about it in 1931 people probably aren't as quick to announce their sexuality i'm true though i will say that in 
um, during the Weimar period in Germany, it was actually, it was, I, I don't want I'm not going to say like, you know, it, you could, you know, pride parade every day in the streets, but there was more openness towards, mm-hmm. um, towards homosexuality, bisexuality. Right. But he's, uh, he's an English, yeah. an Englishman, yes. you know, who's just arrived there. Yeah. So, you know, for her to be so open with him, I mean, considering the the time and place in in Germany, but also her career, you know, there's just a lot more openness. So they develop their relationship. um, And then in comes Maximilian. And it's kind of like, how does he fit in? And then it's like, oh, are they, I guess they're like a thruple now. They have that weird dance scene. Oh, it's really, really beautiful, actually. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a it's a really cool scene. It's it was. I guess I just didn't. I didn't. I don't. I think I was caught off guard by it, and uh, it is beautiful. You're right, and that that's what that's actually one of one an example of Fosse's like that intimacy of Fosse's style to be able uh-huh. to direct a musical that feels so personal is, I mean, really an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, and we could talk about all that jazz, but Man, I haven't know. seen that movie in a long time, but, but that's, I mean, as personal as it gets, well, cause that's him doing the story of his, of his life and death. <laughs> And death, and yeah, death. that's true. Yeah, so um, so Bob, I mean Bob Fosse, interesting guy. If you if you haven't watched Fosse Verdon, um, it's on Hulu, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man, it's great. I know we like pitch it. I actually watched another because I've kind of just been like taking my time with it, with each episode, and just like I'm not necessarily binge watching it, but I watched another episode after we recorded our last. Ruined childhoods, mm-hmm. and I mean, you you forget it's Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. They are that good. I don't know if I necessarily forget that it's Sam Rockwell. Slightly more, it is more so with Michelle Williams. She, I, I don't know like much about Gwen Verdon. I've seen a couple of things she was in. I, th- but. I think it has more to do with the fact that Sam Rockwell is known for dancing in his movies. You know, and that's true. So he didn't so dance in three billboards, he, did he? <laughs> uh, not that I can recall, no. but in a lot of his movies. At some point, he dances. Charlie's so when Angels. I saw that he was playing uh, Bob Fosse, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. could see him dancing. Anyway, so Fosse Verdon, amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so Dan, how could you maybe imagine Cabaret um, now? Yeah. Um, so, I could imagine it very much now. I... So I'm very much influenced by that 1998 Broadway production. And it makes me wonder what Sam Mendes would do, given the opportunity to make a film of Cabaret. Now, you're not going to, you're not going to remake Bob Fosse's Cabaret. So I feel like it's a smarter choice 
to try to adapt the Sam Mendes adaptation into a film and kind of go and go more in that direction. I would definitely take some cues from Fosse and I have a hard time seeing the choreography being different. I mean, like I said earlier, Rob Marshall choreographed for, for Mendes and it was very like Fosse. He wasn't Uh, trying to, he, Rob Marshall was not trying to do Rob Marshall's cabaret. He was, which I think this was a, I think it was a a great choice. And Rob Marshall's also a pretty good director. So I feel like maybe getting Rob Marshall and Sam Mendes back together to work on a film would be. I mean, Sam Mendes is great. Yeah. Fantastic director. He, um, I don't know what I, I oh he does have an he has something he has a new film coming out. I forget is, what it's called, but or is it a it might be a series. He might be I feel like I read something about um about what he's up to recently. I'm I'm googling it right now. Um, producer. He's a producer on Informer. Director. It's a prime, prime show. So he's not doing the new Bond. Right. But uh, something called 1917 is in post-production. Oh, yes. That's what I was thinking of. 1917, which looks interesting. Um, yeah, World War One movie. Yeah. Uh, so, and, um, so anyway, so that's what I'm thinking, like, Creatively, I, I I do like the Bob Fosse choice of keeping the musical numbers in the club. So yeah. I do think I would I would want I think I would want that in in a new film version. Um and then uh shall we talk cast? Go ahead. Um, so first of all, I wish Alan Cumming could just be the MC and I mean, maybe there, he did it. It's not like there's a specific age. No, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm sure he's got it in him. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is I would love to have Alan Cumming. And then the only other name that I really thought of was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, he's great. I love him. I could see Joseph Gordon-Levitt having a lot of fun and kind of being a cross between the Alan Cumming MC and the Joel Grey MC. So that was kind of where I where I went there. Of course, I mean, like, it would be great to actually cast German actors. Right, yeah. But, uh, you know, for Sally, for Sally Bowles, my first thought was Anna Kendrick, and I kind of went back on that. Um, cause I think, I think Sally Bowles should be British if we're, okay. sti- and if we're sticking to the, the 98 revival, she is. So, um, Jessica Brown Finley, Lady Mary of Downton Abbey. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I think she's, uh, she's magnificent. I think she's got a great look for it and sure. I don't know if she can sing, but I don't think she needs to be an amazing singer. Um, also on my list, Rachel Weiss. Okay. So I think she's so talented. <laughs> and I, yeah, why not? <laughs> and shoes, I mean, 
I was just thinking about her performance in The Favorite. Yeah. It's just yes. so good. Exactly. That's that's what made me think of her. Yeah. And um Michelle Williams, <laughs> who I think who did who did it in a revival. I think when I think they they revived like that production, the 98 production, I want to say they did it like maybe five years ago. And I actually think Alan Cumming did come back as the MC, but they've also had Neil Patrick Harris, uh, John Stamos. Right. Yeah. Um, but. Oh, yeah, I forgot Stamos did it. Yeah. I knew NPH did it. Yeah. Yeah. But I forgot about Stamos. Stamos did it. Um, so I so Michelle Williams actually did play Sally Bowles at, um, at some point in the history of, of the show. So um, for, for Cliff, I don't know. I was kind of having trouble because first I was thinking of- Cliff British, slash Brian. Brian. Right, because I was thinking of British actors and I was thinking of Alan Leach, who, who's also from Downton Abbey. He is- Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Branson. Uh, Taryn, Taryn Edgerton kind of came to mind, but then I was like, I kind of, I cooled off. No, like I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his work, but I was like, you know, man. Take a break. Um, Michael Fassbender came to mind. Hmm. <laughs> I think there are a lot of actors who could who could play that role. Um, for uh, Herr Ludwig, the character that Dennis O'Hare played on Broadway. Right. So um, I I thought of Daniel Bruhl <laughs> and Christoph Waltz. Okay. Christoph Waltz. I just went to the oh, Inglorious you know, Bastards. I, I just went to the Inglorious yeah. Bastards cast and was like, which Nazis could we use here? And Daniel Bruhl <laughs> and and Christoph Waltz. Uh, I didn't really have a Herr Schultz in mind. Herr Schultz is who Ron Rifkin played in the Broadway version. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fraulein Schneider, the uh, the the um, landlady, I guess, or the the owner the of landlady. the boarding house. I was like, first I went Michelle Pfeiffer. For some reason. Hmm. And then I just went Meryl Streep. I think I went Michelle Pfeiffer because Michelle Pfeiffer was in Witches of Eastwick with Susan Sarandon, who was in Lorenzo Soil. <laughs> so. Very true. Very true. Um, uh, that's neither here nor there right now. And I went Meryl Streep because I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> she likes doing accents and musicals, and this is both. Sure. She's great. She's yeah. Meryl Streep. Yeah. No one's going to argue that. Um, so. What, what do you think I, of John? You know, I had a similar thought where it's like, you can't do a sequel. That's just not an option. Um, but. And I'm not. What's that? Sorry. The sequel to Life is a Cabaret is Life is Beautiful. Um, ah. Well. Kind of. Does take place. Shortly after. Yeah, that's where the sequel do. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, John, continue. Yeah. I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, I was thinking that it would be interesting and I'm going to say, it's not that I would want this to happen, but if it had to happen, I could see it being brought into a more present day and dealing with perhaps the alt-right in, in place of the Nazis um, and still kind of have it be the same types of characters in the same environments. Um, but, you know, present day. And I feel like I, to direct it, I would actually have Damien Chazelle. Oh yeah. And then of course bring in Emma Stone 
for the Sally Bowles character. She did it also on Broadway. Did she? Mm-hmm. Not, not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the um, MC, Nicholas Holt. Speaking of the favorite, yeah. <laughs> I, well, yeah, Emma Stone and Nicholas Holt. We know I how he looks in white makeup. Brain. <laughs> right. Well, that's why I thought about it. And um, for the Brian character, I was actually thinking Eddie Redmayne. Oh, yeah. 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 I I feel like he, you know, he was so good as like Stephen Hawking. And then when he did, um, oh, what was that? Was that Jupiter Ascending he was in? He was in Jupiter Ascending, yeah. And I feel like he did that and everyone was like, never mind. Well, because, but he was also in oh, the the film. Danish, was it the Danish girl? Is that? Uh, Yeah, yeah, where he played the, mm-hmm. he was tr- uh, transgender in that, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in the, the film version of Les Mis. Les Miserables. That's right. He played yeah. Marius. So I thought that he would be good because... I feel like I've seen him do the kind of like reserved, but like you could tell that there's more going on in their head type of character. Yeah. Um, And then for Maximilian, Ryan Gosling. (laughs) You know that he works well with Damien Chazelle and Emma Stone. And he's, you know, he has that like charisma that like, you know, that just that magnetic personality. Um, And then I was also thinking... What if you took that same cast and have it directed by John Waters? <laughs> well, just for fun. That's how, man. I would love to see that. I would love to see John Waters cabaret. That'd be great. <laughs> so, so here's so here's the thing with so I, I definitely of course you can't. I'm not gonna say you can't watch this movie and not think of present day, but. There are so many parallels and it's like in during the Weimar period in the 1920s in Germany, which we're going to take a little history lesson. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the classroom. Why not? And so Germany really got uh, punished for World War One. The Versailles Treaty really punished Germany and Germany ended up kind of being this quote unquote democracy where, yeah. yeah, but there was still a Kaiser and it was like, hey, yeah, if things get a little crazy, the Kaiser can just kind of do what he wants. So, but there was a lot of like, it, Germany became really progressive and like film, that's when like a lot of the great, uh, you know, German filmmakers were working, you know, Murnau and, they, there was a lot, a, a lot of support for the arts. There is a much looser attitude towards homosexuality, as I was saying before. So, it it is very much mirrored by the the Obama years. It's very much mirrored right. by eight years during which um, gay marriage is is quote unquote. Legalized. It feels ridiculous to say that any type of marriage should be legalized. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, gay marriage is recognized federally by the government. Uh, you know, m- more people are, are given health care. And, like, the one big difference is that the economy actually got, you know, really good under Obama, whereas 
during uh, the Weimar period because Germany, and this is partially because uh, Germany had to pay like the rest of the world. Germany had to like pay all this money to the rest of Europe because World War One, as as perhaps we will see in Sam Mendes's upcoming 1917, we will see how Germany um, and World War One really devastated Europe. And at the Versailles Treaty, it was very punitive towards Germany in money. Okay, you have to give back all this land, so they had to give back all this land where there were factories, uh, a lot of infrastructure. Like they, Germany was was broken by that by that treaty and there was really no mercy hindsight being 2020 not the best idea because then you have a lot of you do have a certain number of people in Weimar Germany who are enjoying a new sense of freedom and um and liberty but you also have you you still have anti-semitism you still have, I mean, part of the reason why Jews were business owners and bankers was because there were other jobs they weren't allowed to do in Germany. And uh, especially once once Hitler started gaining power in the late 20s, early 30s. And a lot of what happened in Weimar Germany, so like they just, they went broke and Germany just started printing more money. Like they just told the, the you know, um, the government was, oh, uh, we're, we don't have money. Let's make more. And then the money was worth very little. It was worth nothing. So that's, you kind of see that descent in, in the film of Cabaret. You see the audience of, of the club gets, like you see it thin out over the course of the film and you see everyone mm-hmm. looking more and more run down but really by 1931 everyone was uh you know the the nazis i think had the high of there were like 20 political parties and the nazis had like 16% of the seats in parliament which meant they had the majority because there were so many political right. parties um it was just yeah like a mess and it was and there were a lot of people suffering while other people who previously suffered kind of enjoyed a new sense of freedom you had other people who were suffering and you had just like you have the you know the, the people in America who are saying oh you know our jobs are being taken by by immigrants right. and oh those other people have you know oh why do they get all this freedom and on poor like why do they get handouts that was very much the attitude by a lot of people in germany and hitler came along and said make germany great again i'm not i'm not kidding that was like one of their sayings he said he was going to make germany great again he he and he told people he, he was just like hey why are we acting like this we're germans we are the greatest people on earth and the rest of the world will suffer uh, for what they've done to us. And everyone was like, yeah, I, I can get behind that. And that's, he was like, and by the way, and then it was all these people are awful and they're making your problems worse and they need to go away. Well, they are called the folksmen, but after such a 
harrowing tale, one might call them the spokesman. Sorry, just uh, <laughs> paraphrasing uh, Bob Balaban in a mighty wind. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but no, that uh, thank you for the for the history lesson because I feel like that helps put a lot of this in context and really kind of drives home how some a story like Cabaret could work. Right. You know, in these days, except you know, it, that I it works contextually. I just wouldn't change the setting. I would. I mean, it's still about everything that's happening. It's just. I, I guess. Here's the thing: if John Waters was going to make it, yes. If anybody <laughs> else was going to make it, well, Although, then it'd be, it would take place in Baltimore. <laughs> Who's wait? Oh man, too bad Divine's not around to play Sally Bowles. Well, that's what I was saying. Is like they call her Sally Balls now or something. <laughs> yeah, none of um, none of the John Waters uh, go tos from the heyday are really, you know, Ricky Lake right for the roles. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. No. Anyway, Johnny Depp is the MC. <sighs> I. I, I wish I could. I'm just exhausted like thinking about that. I, I wish I could um, remember who it was that tweeted this, but one of my favorite tweets of all time, and I may have already said this on a previous episode, I've quoted this, but I never want to see the words Johnny Depp was cast again unless they are followed by Into the Ocean. <laughs> 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 What's so interesting is like, He's a for good such actor. a long time, <laughs> he was so great, and then he it just was like, pass, no thank you. Uh, it seemed like the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were like the the transitional period. Yeah, well, because he got an Oscar nomination for playing Jack Sparrow, so he was like, well, I'm just gonna put on a a funny like hat and makeup and do crazy voices all the time. And then Tim Burton's like, Hey, I'm down. (laughs) Well, around that time he also did secret window, which was just like pretty bizarre. John Turturro playing a hillbilly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and that movie was kind of like Johnny Depp being like, it's like, Hey, I can be like myself. And then everyone was like, pass. And then uh, somewhat recently, a few years ago, he did Transcendence, and that was garbage. It's like whenever he tries to do something that, uh, I don't know, is to to get back into the good graces, it just is a failure. Kind of, yeah. But he also did um, Finding Neverland, which was, I think, 2004. So it was right around that transitional period. But other than the mm-hmm. accent, he was really, oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't that just like slip in and out? Oh, I thought he was. Wasn't I mean, that, no, I thought he was pretty good in that. Oh, I mean the accent didn't that kind of slip in and out? Of I'm trying the, to remember of Johnny Depp, like in real life, or oh, I I thought that he was doing. I remember there was some Johnny Depp movie where he kind of goes in and out of a British accent. I mean, maybe it was Finding Neverland, but I don't remember that. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Fifteen years. I mean, I think I saw it when it came out, and yeah. never since. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last the, thing I saw. Wait, who was like, the who was the kid in that? That that was um 
Oh, what's his name? He's the same kid who played Charlie in Charlie and the Freddie Highmore. Freddie Highmore, yeah. The good doctor. Freddie Highmore. Yes. He's on a show now. He's on a show. He's on a show. Yeah, he plays a doctor. Cool. Yeah. Dr. Highmore. Uh, oh, well, Dan, I, th- I feel like we, we've already addressed what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. We have. Uh, anything, John, is there anything else you want to add about Cabaret, where you see it going, what its place is? I, I mean, I imagine there will constantly be um, revivals of it. Uh, very, you know different interpretations but i feel like they're always still gonna have similar threads um i would be remiss if i didn't mention the uh the small town performance of cabaret in the in the town of schitt's creek on the television show schitt's creek season five uh directed by moira rose (laughs) and uh starring uh stevie bud as sally bowles and um and patrick as the MC, oh boy, oh. <laughs> See now, now you're. I'm I'm on season two. Oh man, it's so good. It's you know, it, it, I don't always have time for a Shit's Creek, but when I have time for a for a little treat, that's that's my go-to. It's one of those shows that you think like, oh, there's how could it get better than this last season? And it just keeps on going strong. Yeah, I just watched the Enchiladas episode. Oh my God, it's so good. (laughs) Fold the cheese. Fold, how do you fold the cheese? Stop saying fold the cheese. (laughs) All right, uh, (laughs) all right. So Cabaret, uh, I don't know if there's a filmed version available anywhere, but if you can find, like go on YouTube, if you can find a filmed version of the Sam Mendes revival with Alan Cumming as the MC and Natasha Richardson as Sally Bowles. Check it out. It is, I mean, it, it is a memorable theater. It, it, for me, it is a memorable theater experience that really still stands out 21 years later. Yeah, clearly. And also Natasha Richardson, pour one out. Yeah. Pour one out for Natasha Richardson. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, Dan, uh, Princess Bride next time. I'm excited. Princess Bride. Good journey. Good journey. Go 
What you'd call a blushing flower. As a matter of fact, she rented by the hour. The day she died, the neighbors came to snicker. Well, that's what comes from too much pills and liquor. But when I saw her laid out like a queen, she was the happiest corpse I'd ever seen. I think of Elsie to this very day. I remember how she'd turn to me and say, Thank you. 